welcome to another installment of Visionaries, a podcast that demonstrates you don't need a great deal of eyesight in order to be a visionary. I am, as always, your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined in tandem by my co-host, who goes by the name of Santino Mayoni, once again, back with another great episode of Visionaries. John, kick us off as we always do with words to live by. You chose the quote this week. What quote did you pick? I did. I did. Okay. So here is the quote for this week. There will always be enemies. Time to stop being your own. And that comes from iconic LGBTQ activist, author, playwright, Larry Kramer. All right, so when you hear that quote initially, what kind of comes to mind, sentiments that it invokes, um, your, your thoughts? Yeah, so when I first hear that quote, I honestly just go in the mindset of, you're gonna encounter a lot of people in your life that are perceived as enemies, as Larry Kramer describes, that are trying to bring you down, that don't want you to succeed, et cetera, et cetera. There's no reason that you should be adding more internal pressure, more internal difficulties and creating your an own like self enemy per se, when you have so much coming from the external, be confident, you know, to practice uh, positive self-talk, self-love, all that kind of stuff. Don't make it more difficult on yourself when you're already going to be experiencing so many people, again, that can be described as enemies that want to bring you down, that are not... They're, they're, they're not good to have around people like that. And you're going to encounter that in college, you know, whatever, however old you are, whether, you know, you're, you're in a specific job, specific workplace, whatever the situation may be, you're going to encounter people like that. Don't make it more difficult on yourself by becoming your own enemy or your own worst enemy. Even don't, don't allow that to happen because that's when it becomes even more difficult because then you're fighting against yourself, which doesn't need to happen. If that makes sense. And I thought it was important with this quote and the author in question, Larry Kramer, to recognize that not everyone with whom we are necessarily aligned is going to come in immaculate packaging. I mean, Larry Kramer was a gentleman who offended a lot of people. And you could see seeds of it in this quote using a term like enemies might might have some audiences miffed. And Kramer, while battling the AIDS epidemic that was going on in New York in the 1980s, he alienated a lot of people. He did. But he also made a lasting impact because he was the singular voice within that movement who kind of gave it to folks without barriers or without some materialistic charm. Uh, He felt as though he were dealing with a crisis on the level of the Holocaust. And when placed in a position like that, sometimes advocacy doesn't necessarily look like a charming afternoon tea. Sometimes you have to offend people, shake things up, make others hear what you are saying. And if folks out there have seen the HBO adaptation of Kramer's 
extremely influential play, The Normal Heart. The HBO movie has Mark Ruffalo, Jim Parsons, Julia Roberts, it comes from Ryan Murphy. They will undoubtedly remember how vigorous the Mark Ruffalo character, who's obviously based on Larry Kramer, is how abrasive he can be and his tendency to ruffle feathers. Sometimes that's what you have to do in order to get the point across and help foster that change that you truly want to see exacted in this world. So with Larry Kramer, an indelible pioneer within the realm of advocacy. And even though, as I mentioned, he could offend people, he also could make some dynamic points. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's just making the point of staying true to yourself. And, you know, if you alienate people along the way by doing that, then so be it. But you know within yourself that you're being true to who you are and you're standing up for what you believe in, like Larry Kramer did. And it, it goes back to the point of just don't become your own enemy, like he said. Don't allow the outside and the people that don't agree with you or, you know, begin almost to hate you because of what you stand for or your opinions. Don't allow that to influence you on the inside. Stay true to yourself. Know who you are. Stay rooted in your beliefs. And I think that's really what Larry Kramer was trying to get across with this quote. And I think you could agree with that as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We'll move on to our next segment, Handprints Hall of Fame. I chose the inductee this week. and I Right. Yes. Pretty, yeah. Pretty interesting selection. I went with Willie Walker, otherwise known as Blind Willie Walker, who was born in April 1896. And he did unfortunately live a pretty short life. He did pass away in the year 1933. So he was only about, I believe, 36 years old when he passed away. But Willie Walker was, in my opinion, based on you know what I read about him, I consider him a pioneer for the American blues genre of music. Um, he was an early American blues guitarist and singer. Um, and he really, he primarily played the Piedmont blues style of music. Um, and he actually, he was born blind from birth and he spent a lot of his life living in Greenville County, South Carolina. He was born and grew up there and he worked as a musician and, uh, you know, in his early years and eventually in 1930, I'm skipping a little bit ahead, but in 1930, Walker was able to record for Columbia records in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was able to produce one of his most well-known titles, uh, South Carolina rag. And I think the reason I selected him, you know, we've inducted people like Andrea Bocelli, other people that have made a career in music. And I think that Willie Walker was another person that, or, you know, visionary, like we like to call him for this segment, another visionary that we wanted to induct, or at least that I wanted to induct, um, that really had an influence and a large impact on the, mu on the music world. Right. And with musicians that we've spotlighted in the past, uh, Ray Charles, Andrea Bocelli, as you mentioned, it seems like an example. We've talked before on the podcast about this idea that sometimes we don't choose destiny, that in fact it works in the opposite manner, that sometimes it actually chooses us. With such a legendary performer as Blind Willie Walker, the saying is, you have lemons, make lemonade. Do the absolute, uh, sorry, absolute most with what you've been given. 
And even though Mr. Walker was born in a time that was decidedly pretty far from being advantageous to visually impaired people, to folks with any kind of disabilities. I mean, this was long, long before the civil rights movement had a lasting impact on the United States of America. He was able to take the most difficult of circumstances and do the most with it. And it's for that reason that Blind Willie Walker is the latest in our Handprints Hall of Fame, our collection of noted folks from the disabled community, the community of the disadvantaged, who've been able to mount obstacles to go on and lead exemplary, fantastic lives. So we like to say, picture yourself outside Grauman's Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard, where over 200 stars of stage and screen have laid their hands down in the pavement, thereby enshrining them forever. Definitely, definitely. It's always the vision you want to have. It's what we stress in during this segment every single time. Absolutely. We'll move on to our next segment, Profiles and Courage, where, John, I want you to kind of give our audience a little bit of an insight before we invite her on who our guest is, what she does, and why we wanted to have her on the show. Uh, today, we're going to be speaking with Allison Burdett, who works for Wayfinder Family Services. Now, for longtime Visionaries listeners, you may remember that I've spoken about my time at an organization called the Hatland Center. It's where I learned how to cook, where I learned Braille, my orientation and mobility skills, so much of what I was to put in practice to help me out later in life came as a result of time spent at the Hatland Center. And the Wayfinder Family Services is the parent company of that organization. And as Allison will talk about, it's not the only thing that they're involved in. They have a vast array of services that they provide they are a phenomenal resource for folks. So Allison's going to be hopping on here in a second, joining us uh, as we spotlight Wayfinder Family Services. So Allison, great Thank to have you, so you on with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Uh, so for our audience, if you could kind of briefly explain Wayfinder family services and uh, what the company does and uh, the mission, if you will. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We were uh, founded over 60 years ago uh, by Norm Kaplan. And since then, uh, we've expanded services uh, to serve over 20,000 individuals and family members every year now through our programs. Um, and we're statewide. Uh, so if you're listening from somewhere else in California, uh, other than our main campus in Los Angeles, we probably have services in your neighborhood as well. Um, our, our tradition um, is in serving people with vision impairments and blindness, as you've mentioned through the Hatland Center. Uh, we also have services for little ones with vision impairment. We have a birth to five in-home program uh, that serves over 500 families a year. That's probably one of our biggest programs. Uh, we also have a non-public school that uh, provides school services uh, to students K through 12 who have um, exceptional needs. 
and we also have kind of a sister program to the Hatland Center, uh, which is called the Davidson Program for Independence, which is in Los Angeles. So we have a residential program each in Northern California and Southern California running year round. And then uh, a summer camp, which is much beloved, our Camp Bloomfield, um, uh, which now that uh, our site was lost in the Woolsey fire in um, 2018, we now move the camp around to different rental locations. And this summer we're going to be at Pathfinder Ranch. Um, so if anybody wants to look up fun summer activities, uh, there's are available on our website at wayfinderfamily.org. Uh, but yeah, those are our, our traditional um, programs uh, that we've been running since, since 1950s. Uh, and then We've recently gotten into child welfare services. Um, as we know, a lot of kiddos and um, youth with disabilities uh, can often find themselves in the child welfare world, um, the world, the sphere of child welfare. Um, you know, disability doesn't discriminate. And so um, we serve kiddos in the child welfare system, foster care. Uh, we also provide adoption services, trying to get these kids into loving, stable homes. Uh, and reunification services through mental health uh, pr uh, providers as well. So we've got kind of this full circle type of um, wraparound model where we try to provide as much support to these kids as possible. Our mission is really that anyone who is facing the greatest challenges like these have a place to turn to so they can call Wayfinder and we'll have a service for them. A wonderful array of services um, that you just laid out for our audience. Uh, I'm interested in the typical profile. It sounds like you work with folks kind of all across the board. Um, and when you initially counsel somebody or you're trying to help out as best as you can, uh, what are often some things that you notice are helpful and uh, the traditional profile of folks that do seek out services from Wayfinder. Certainly, yeah, I think it does vary, like you said, and that's why we have what we call kind of birth through lifetime uh, services. So we've got something for everybody. And I think that's my, what makes me feel good about what I do is that when somebody does call, when somebody does email, I know we have something to help them. There's kind of no wrong phone number at Wayfinder. Uh, whoever you call, they're going to get you to the right person to help you do what you need to do. Um, but what I like to do when I first talk to people, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, um, maybe even a, a youth exiting high school, a college student, um, a lot of people encounter their vision impairment at different phases of their lives, of course. And so what I like to do is I, I, I never presume what people want you know, out of their life, what they want to do next in their phase of life. And so I just start a conversation and ask them, you know, what, what do you want to do? What, what do you want to do that you're not able to do right now? Uh, what would you like to be able to do? What are the challenges you're facing? Um, how can we provide services and training to help make your life more safe, more efficient, um, so that you can go out and do what you want. Some people want to go finish their high school diploma. Some people want to go get an advanced degree. Some people want to go work uh, and find the right job for them. Um, some people want to be caregivers. So it just, it, it varies all across the board. And I think that's why it's important to not have a one size fits all mentality 
and we pride ourselves on re really being individualized to what people want to do. Um, we will customize training for people so that we really get at, at the heart of what they want to be in life. Um, we, we like to say we want to help people, um, you know, achieve their, their greatest level of independence, whatever that is for them, right? Because it's going to vary widely based on mm -hmm. their abilities and their age. So um, for little babies, you know, we're looking for them to be kind of tracking items, looking at mom and dad's face, looking towards a speaker, you know, whoever's talking to that little baby, that's a big accomplishment for them. Um, you know, we'll teach them to use a tiny white cane so that they can start taking their first steps. Yep. Um, you know, for our college students, we want them to kind of quote unquote, leave the nest. Um, our high school graduates, we want them to leave the nest, get out, get, have some independent experiences, independent travel, you know, start cooking their own food, purchasing groceries, um, having those social interactions. And our, for our adults, if they have a goal to reenter the workforce, we're absolutely going to help them do that, find the right job for them. Fantastic. And I'm interested in, so as you just mentioned, um, everyone from infants and small children to adults. Um, are there folks that you've worked with? We always love to highlight success stories on the podcast, moments where people were able to kind of reach out and take their life's destiny by the horns, if you will. And I know it would be great for our audience to hear if you've got any that you can think of, of stories of folks that maybe you had never met this person before, you'd never spoken before, you got a phone call one day, and that phone call ultimately led to the betterment of this individual's life in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. I can think of, I can think of two. One um, is kind of crossing into like my personal life from where I live, uh, someone I encountered uh, just in my neighborhood. Uh, and then I'll tell you about uh, one of our employees, um, uh, you know, for, for privacy reasons, I'll, I'll change their yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. So um, I will say um, I had been work I've been working with Wayfinder since 2014. And um, recently I moved to a new neighborhood, maybe two or three years ago. And it's a very friendly neighborhood. The neighbors all come out and they walk, you know, in the evenings with their families on the sidewalks. And so uh, I was talking with one of my neighbors one night and we just got to saying like, oh, you know, how long have you been here? Um, do your kids go to school here? Um, and she asked me, where do you work? And I said, Wayfinder Family Services. She replied, no way. We're a Wayfinder family. And it just took me by surprise. Wow. I mean, we, we serve 20,000 families a year, but it's still, you don't run into people in the wild that often. And so I said, oh my gosh, um, what services were you uh, engaged in with us? And she said, my daughter's three years old and she's part of your early intervention vision um, rehab program. Wow. And I just, it just, I don't know. I, I got all broken up and said, how is she doing? How is she doing? She said, wonderful. You know, if it weren't, if it weren't for your vision um, specialist working with her, um, I don't know what kind of progress she would have made, but she's doing tremendously. She's using her cane in school. She's thriving. She's motoring around and, and being really independent, you know, as a toddler. So they were just thrilled and, and they're, you know, doing what they want with her and, and she's pursuing her goals as a, as a, even a little person. So I just, it's so important to start young. Um, and that, anyway, that was just a delight for me. Um, in, in our, in our kiddos and, and young people who are joining like the workforce, again, like you said, 
taking their life by the horns, finding agency in their lives is so important. I think sometimes it can be hard for, for parents and family members to kind of let those experiences happen uh, sometimes because it can be scary for sure. So we have these programs where um, we will structure the independence, just like the Hatland Center, just, mm-hmm. like the, just like the Davidson Program for Independence, where they're living um, in an independent setting, uh, but with supervision, you know, with staff available to them all the time. And so this success story is about um, a young man, we'll call him Josh. And uh, Josh, you know, reached out to us, you know, he, he has vision, um, but wanted to learn to live independently. And so he went to our Hatland Center for the Blind, uh, as you did, did tremendously well. Um, we say, we like to say that people get out of our programs, what they put into it, right? Like we are like a toolbox and you can take from this toolbox as much as you want, right? You can soak up as much knowledge mm-hmm. and skills as we have to give you. And so he did that. And it's just a go-getter and such a, also just a kind, nice person. And so he graduated from our program. And when our, when our graduates go out into the world, um, they go various places. Sometimes we hear from them. Sometimes we don't. Um, but year, a couple of years later, we had an opening for a job developer at our Los Angeles campus. And it's a very important role. Once people go through our programming, of course, we want them to be able to get a job and the paycheck that they want uh, to be able to support their goals in life. And so we had this opening and this application comes through for the job developer role. And the hiring manager recognized the name right away, called me and said, you won't believe this great news. One of our graduates went to UCLA, got their degree, graduated from UCLA, and now wants to be a job developer for Wayfinder. And so I really felt like this person has come full circle in their journey. They, they got the training that they wanted and needed, were able to pursue their degree successfully, are now in the workforce getting that paycheck and being able to live on their own um, and do what they want with that income, which is what we want for everybody. Uh, and then on top of that, the job that he has enables him to get others, you know, into the workforce. So I just feel like he's putting all this positive energy out of his programming into the world again for other people. And it's just, it's wonderful. That is a remarkable story, Allison. That's the type of thing that we love to boast about here on Visionaries. Um, Great. And I will yeah. highlight one of his recent job placements wonderful job placement. We place people, whatever their background is, we want to match it. Really unique job placement recently. He got a lady, um, a position at a law firm handling their social media platform. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I just thought that was a great placement um, and a wonderful niche opportunity. There's all kinds of interesting jobs out there. Um, One we probably wouldn't have thought of right off the bat, bat, but perfect fit for her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, no, but I mean, a great, uh, remarkable anecdote, the type of person who receives the training, support, guidance that they need from Hatland Center via Wayfinder Family Services, and then is able to go about and embark upon their life's quest. And uh, that is phenomenal, the type of stuff that we love to salute here on Visionaries. Santino, I, I know that you had some, some questions that you wanted to ask Allison. Great. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, the fir- before I even get into the questions, I wanted to say, as somebody who's in college right now, who has like, made that transition from high school to college, I think it's great that you, know, you guys are really putting an emphasis on trying to help them you know, gain, 
help people gain their independence, help them kind of just figure out, you know, what they want to do in terms of you know jobs, whatever it may be, just even like little things. And coming from myself and people that I know at college, everybody, like you said, is different. Everybody has their own definition of what level of independence they want, all that kind of stuff. So it is great that you guys take an individualistic approach and don't just, you know, don't just have one, you know, again, like size fits all kind of method that you really, really do take it and apply it to each person individually. I think that's awesome. Um, one of the things, one of the things I wanted to bring up as well, I don't know if you ever heard the story of Zion Clark, but we recently were talking about him on visionaries and he, was born without legs and he's become a social media influencer. He's a great public speaker. He is, he actually holds the world record for the fastest man in the world on two hands. And he was somebody who spent, I believe it was a good, I believe like 15, 16 years of his life in the foster care system. And mm-hmm. he went through a lot of, you know, struggles during that time. He has like a documentary about himself that kind of, you know, outlines some of the issues that he dealt with. And I wanted just to, for you maybe to elaborate even a little bit more on just why you feel it's so important to have that aspect of Wayfinder that really, really does put an emphasis on helping kids that have been through the foster care system or currently in there, helping them get adopted, things like that. Absolutely. Thank you. And I've, I've watched his videos. He is yeah. incredibly fast yeah. um, and, and a role model. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it, like I said, uh, at a little bit earlier, we, we encounter kids with disabilities everywhere. A lot of kids have hidden disabilities even, which sometimes can cause them to fall into um, the child welfare system. But a lot of kids are in the system, you know, because of things that, that parents fall down on um, or, you know, income, you know, societal reasons. If there isn't enough income in the household, maybe they lose their housing. Maybe they have food insecurity. Um, those are reasons too, you know, I think a lot of people assume like, oh, there must be, there must be violence in the home or there must be drugs in the home. That's not, that's not always the case. Sometimes, um, you know, these are latchkey children and mom and dad have to work. Um, and maybe they don't have supervision all the time for the kids, or they're trying to bring food into the house and there isn't always food. So we want to be sensitive to the fact that these are, these are deeply ingrained societal challenges and any one family may not be at fault. So we want to start from, from a good place like that. And to, to support these kids in a way that is individualized, um, we're big on trauma-informed support for our staff and our children so that we come from a place of everyone would do well if they could. And I think that's a really important thing. Anyone could, that is a good tidbit to take away from the podcast today. Um, it's a phrase that we take away from um, a training called collaborative problem solving, but that every child, every adult would do well if they could, if they had the tools to do what they wanted to do, they would do it well and they would thrive. So we try to work on what are those barriers for these children? Um, what kind of supports do they need? Be very person-centered, um, not prescriptive, right? Like every child is different. Every family is different. And so there's an array of services that people can support Um, through supporting a group like Wayfinder or other community service providers in your area where um, there's there's preventative services, which are really important. There's reunification services, where if a a family is temporarily separated, we want to reunify whenever possible, because that's the best possible solution when when we find that that can be done. Um, Then there's adoption services, which again is in in the media a lot today. Um, we encourage people to find out more about that, being a foster parent. Um, there's a lot of training, a lot of support. Uh, it's a wonderful service. Uh, if you if you Google Wednesday's Child, 
there's a child every Wednesday featured uh, about a child up for adoption. And they, they just have the most heartwarming stories. And every child, they, one after the other, they just say, I wish I had a loving mom or dad. All I want is a loving mom or dad. Um, they just want support. So I would encourage anybody to, to learn more. You know, if you feel compelled about supporting children, um, you know, they're, they're in these situations um, through no fault of their own. So you can support a group like Wayfinder who's doing the work kind of on your behalf as a donor or a partner, um, or you can look for yourself into becoming a, a foster parent. I think that's really one of the most powerful things someone can do. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's very, very important that you, again, help kind of foster and provide those services for people and give them an outlet to, again, take advantage of the opportunity, if that makes sense. But yes. um, I wanted to kind of inquire almost about the future of Wayfinder and where you where, where, where you hope um, Wayfinder can go in the next you know few years or so, however many years down the line, what you hope just uh, continues to grow for Wayfinder. Thank you. Absolutely. We, we want to continue to grow our programs. You know, we kept all of our programs in operation throughout the entire duration of the pandemic. Uh, if, if anyone was wondering, you know, we were able to pivot things virtually. Uh, we were able to keep our residential programs going. Um, and now that we're kind of coming back out of that time and resuming in-person services, we're just looking to get the word out again. Uh, I think what a lot of nonprofits experienced during the pandemic was, um, you know, kids and families not seeing their medical providers as often, um, not engaging with the school districts as much. And so we want to reinvigorate um, that throughout our communities, find those kids and families that need help, um, help them find groups like us so that they can get the help they need. Um, but growth wise, uh, we just, you know, want to make sure that we're um, giving supports that the community needs the most. So we'll often do a community survey every year, ask our valued partners in the community what services are needed? How can we provide them? Um, sometimes the county will come to us and say, goodness, there's a, there's a need for this service. Can Wayfinder step in? And we will craft a service um, that the county or the state needs to serve a group of people. So um, we're always open to doing that. Um, we have some projects in the works uh, uh, this summer, actually. Uh, we were talking about college kids. Uh, we're doing a summer six-week workforce readiness program uh, for youth ages 16 to 25. And it's gonna be really unique because Cal State LA, well, A is just a wonderful school, but B, they have a teacher in training program for, for training orientation and mobility specialists, teachers for the visually impaired and rehab counselors, uh, Department of Rehabilitation Counseling uh, Professionals. So we're partnering with them uh, to take our kids for six weeks to, to their campus. They're gonna live in University Village, get the full, campus experience and be able to kind of get some of those independent um, uh, experiences in a safe environment so that they can decide, you know, do I want to go to work right now? Do I want to pursue school right now? Can I envision myself in a college environment, which is really powerful? Um, so we're relaunching that summer series uh, as part of our expansion, um, just expanding programs, um, trying to serve more families. That birth to five service that I was talking about is statewide. Um, so we operate in the Bay Area as well, and we want to just make sure that we're finding um, those families who, during the pandemic, it might have been more difficult to learn what services are out there. So I think for us, the most important thing is to make sure people know that we're here um, and be responsive to service needs. Um, we're also working with um, employers. One of the most important things we can focus on 
is spreading the word among employers and hiring managers. Diversify your workforce, hire people with disabilities. We're here to support your organization to do that. We're here to provide you with skilled candidates to hire. Uh, and so part of our, our five and 10 year plan is to get as many people hired as possible. Um, so I would encourage anybody, if you're a hiring manager, if you have a company, uh, reach out to us because we do have people who are looking for work just like Josh. Some of them have gone on to get their college degrees. They have a wonderful array of skills and they're ready to go to work and they're wonderful employees. So um, that's part of our, our extended plan. Definitely just spreading the mm -hmm. word growing more awareness and just getting people out into the world is definitely, definitely should be the goal. And it's great that you guys are trying to further that going forward. Um, yes, last you. thing, not really a question. Just want to give you the floor again to kind of reiterate to our audience. Obviously you've encapsulated why it is so important, but to let people know, you know, where you can, where they can find you, how they can get access, how they can reach out to you guys, all that contact information. I'm going to give you the floor, just, uh, you know, pl plug the website, anything you want to do. Thank you again so much. Um, absolutely. You can support our programs uh, by becoming a donor or volunteer leader um, or partner with us. We love partnerships to enhance our programs. If you have a way that we can partner and collaborate, uh, visiting our website, which is wayfinderfamily.org. Uh, you can click on the tab ways to help uh, to learn more. We're always welcoming new friends. Um, our phone number is 323 295 Four five five five, and again, there's no wrong phone number at Wayfinder. They'll get you to the right person. Um, all of our leadership's profiles and uh, email uh, are on the on the website as well. We're also on Facebook. If you want to follow us, you can kind of dip your toes into all the activities we have going on. We post um, very frequently what's going on, and you can really see in real time. Um, the kids and families that you're supporting uh, when you support Wayfinder. So get involved with our work. It's wonderful. It's life-changing. Um, it's very real and you can experience the difference that people um, have through these services. And our biggest thing is come make a difference. You can also join our team, you know, if you want to make a difference, if that's your passion. Um, we also have a careers tab on our website. You can come and make a big difference for people. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Allison, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. And again, I uh, just want to emphasize, I credit the Hatland Center, which is associated with the Wayfinder Family Services, as really helping to put me in the position to succeed in the ways that I was seeking in life. So for all those interested in giving back, partnering with Wayfinder in any way that you would like to help or learn more, please do, uh, do the legwork and learn about this phenomenal organization. Well, thank you, John. And we're so pleased that we could be there for you. Uh, and now thank you coming full circle, coming around and helping us spread the word about us. So again, thank you so much for having me. And uh, you and Santino are both definitely Wayfinders. I appreciate Terrific. it. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Allison Burdett from Wayfinder Family Services. Thanks again so much for coming on the show. Thanks again. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Allison, so much for coming on the show. I think it was very insightful to hear about everything Wayfinder has to offer and all the opportunities they provide for people within the disabled community. John, your thoughts on the interview? I thought it went great, and I thought our listeners learned a lot, and I learned a lot for sure. Spectacular. The type of organization that folks should know about before embarking on that 
moment in my life when I actually went to the Hatland Center. I'd never heard of it. I had not heard of Wayfinder Family Services. And indeed, even in what Allison just shared with our phenomenal audience, I learned a great deal as well. They really do offer an extraordinarily robust array of services and just a terrific organization for folks that might like to do more uh, to be aligned with. Yeah, definitely. And I think Allison, again, the anecdote she gave about specific success stories within the organization and people that have come in and really thrived and now have jobs in the world and have been able to accomplish so much. I think that's really what hit home for me. And that was what was awesome to hear is that this program works, that it's not just that the organization exists and it's there, they're doing good work and they're really helping people accomplish what they want to do with their lives, which is amazing. We'll move on to our next segment, representation and respect in the media. I got to select the piece that we're going to be analyzing today. And I went with a, you know, you call it a documentary, a film, whatever term you want to use, but the documentary going blind. And John, I wanted to kind of let you you know, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, that you watched it and you got to get see a glimpse into yep. what it was about. Before I even introduce it, I want to just kind of get your thoughts, your initial reactions to the first time. I don't know if it was your first time watching it, but what were your initial reactions? It was, to yes. Yeah. I mean, there are different ways of coping, of handling a condition like blindness or being a member of the deaf community, uh, any disabled ailment that you identify. I mean, there are, there are different ways. There's no one size fits all necessarily for, okay, you can't see what now. And it was in this documentary that the filmmakers were able to spotlight uh, some very interesting ways that folks can go about grappling with their condition and uh, making the most out of things. So I, I, I am curious, how did you hear about it and what some of the feelings that it brought up within you as uh, you selected it for representation and respect in the media this week? So I'll be honest, in terms of how I came across it, every week, you know, obviously we kind of trade off who pick, who selects what pieces for what segment and like who we want to induct, what movie or whatever we want to analyze. I basically just looked up kind of movies and documentaries about blindness. And I was scrolling through all the different movies, saw some we've already looked at like son of a woman, Mr. Magoo, obviously, but I came across this and I clicked on it because it interested me. And I just, because of the um, what's the word, just like the, the picture of the, uh, of the cover of the documentary. And it interested me and to come to find out that he died, Sorry, Dr. Joseph Lovett, he chronicled like his own experience with um, the this, I, I don't want to use the word um, disease, but gla glaucoma. And as his glaucoma becomes more severe, he wants to learn how others are coping with vision loss as he's going through the same thing. So he goes on a journey almost and he meets six other individuals living with vision loss. It includes a young veteran who had recently lost his sight. And these people all tell us or tell Joseph and they tell the people that are watching the audience, their stories, their experiences, and each of the characters, they really show us how important it is. And we've emphasized this so much on visionaries, specifically John has emphasized it a lot about 
learning new adaptive techniques, learning how to adapt to your new situation, learning how to just cope with what's happening and understand, all right, it's not going to be the same as it was before. We have to learn now how to adjust, how to move forward and how to do things differently in order to accommodate our new situation. So I really felt that it was a great, um, a great piece just because it was another example of just emphasizing, like I said, how important it is to roll with the punches, take what comes to you and make adjustments as life goes on. Exactly. And uh, the six folks who are highlighted in the documentary, as I mentioned, no guidebook exists on how exactly one is, quote unquote, supposed to deal with blindness or any other condition that wasn't brought upon by I don't know, lifestyle choices or anything, something that you were born with, no choice. You've only got this one life. What can you do with it? It would be very easy to fall into despair, ask, oh, why me? Why me? And yet here we get six different examples of folks who are all grappling with the same condition uh, who handle it in different ways. And um, I, I, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to mention too, one of the stories that we see in this documentary, it's a woman who kind of wanted to hide her vision loss from the world. And while I was watching, I was almost kind of curious as to why that was put in there in terms of, you know, what kind of message it might send to different viewers. But after watching the whole thing, kind of taking it in and processing it, it really, really seemed like that was just part of her story. And I think that goes to show that everybody's journey and story of how they cope and deal with vision loss is going to be different or how they cope and deal with anything for that matter is going to be different. Like how Allison specified with Wayfinder, they don't have a one size fits all method to help people because that's not how the world works. Everybody's different. Everybody's situation is different. So it almost, it's funny how it comes full circle that with this documentary and with the guests that we had on, we both segments kind of, emphasize that point of it's not a one size fits all. Not everybody goes through the same journey and deals with vision loss or whatever it may be the exact same way. And I think it was good that that was highlighted in the film. Now looking back on it, because we were able to see that there are differences in how they go about it and how they, again, just deal and adapt with vision loss and that everybody's different. It's not going to be a one size fits all. And it really emphasized that. And now you know, we learned that she works with other experience. She works with others and who are experiencing vision loss and she kind of helps them accept their diagnosis and take advantage of training techniques, tools. So what you may have thought, Oh, she didn't, she wanted to hide her vision loss. And now she's an advocate for helping people out. So it really is cool to see how you go on your own journey and you eventually find what you're meant to do and what, you know, how you want to help people. Yeah. So this is a documentary uh, that folks should seek out. Again, uh, it's called Going Blind. It comes to us from the year of our Lord, 2010. And it is recommended, I think, by both of us with the highest degree of emphasis. Definitely. Definitely. We'll move on to our final segment, as always, Connecting the Dots, where John is going to tell us another story about experiences that he's had in his life and just tell us, tell myself and the audience about what he's experienced. So, John, what do you have for us today? Sure. Well, inspired by our discussions of the documentary Going Blind, our discussion with Allison Burdett from Wayfinder Family Services, Larry Kramer, Blind Willie Walker, 
I wanted to tell our wonderful audience about my first experience with a support group. As we've just talked about, there is no one size fits all solution to coming to terms with your station in life, no matter what it is. The first time that I actually, I went to the Braille Institute in Anaheim. This is a number of years ago now. So it's a, it's a younger version of me or a wide-eyed, perhaps less cynical. In any event, I went to this support group for men between, I, I think it was like 18 and there was no uh, ending age. So 18 upward. And there were about 15 uh, different individuals in this group. We sat in a room. And the first thing that dawned on me was everyone had a nickname. No one was identified by their actual birth name. So I had to pick a, a nickname. The group leader was a gentleman who went by the alias Big Bird. In a voice like David Letterman, and I'm assuming he picked Big Bird because he was well over six feet tall. I went with Rage because I was younger. It's a little bit how I felt at the time. My favorite band is Rage Against the Machine. My favorite poem is Dylan Thomas has the line, Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. So I picked Rage. And it was an hour or so of folks going around the room, sharing their stories of human experience and whose alias was Bummer. Everyone in the group called him Bummer because I, he was perpetually in a bad mood about his diagnosis. And I think they wanted uh, to chide him to try and see the beauty in the world as opposed. And there were a number of other individuals, uh, one who went by the name Big Time, another went by the alias Drive Through, and it was readily apparent to me, and I was to later find out, that the group had been gathering for a number of years. Uh, these were men who knew each other extremely well by the point in time when I threw my hat in the ring. And I learned so much from my experience with the group, probably no more so than on this day when we wanted to do a field trip of sorts. So the field trip involved this pack of uh, 15, 15 to 20 different men walking from the Braille Institute in Anaheim to a restaurant that was roughly half a mile away. So what you've got here is literally the blind leading the blind. You have 15 different people in dissimilar stages of their condition. So some who can't see anything, some like in my case, sort of light from dark, and everyone is walking this half a mile from the Braille Institute to have lunch at a restaurant um, in Anaheim. And I can't vouch for what it was like from a visual perspective, but I can imagine 
the folks driving who looked to their right or their left and saw this herd of men with canes, uh, men grabbing on to one another's shoulders as they walked side by side to this restaurant in Anaheim. Something I had never seen before. I'd never participated in an experience like this. And I believe that it was in that experience that the initial seeds for sort of some of the things that I wanted to do later in life were planted. And I, I bring this up, I highlight this story to suggest that as we discuss so often here on Visionaries, there is some degree of initiative that you need to have. You have to have some degree of desire to better your station in life, or you'll be doomed to probably wallow away in an isolated room somewhere. But it's folks like the gentleman paid in this men's support group at the Braille Institute in Anaheim, each coming from completely different backgrounds with stories and their own individual perspectives on how to handle everything uh, that I was able for the first from 18 through I, 100, uh, I guess, are able to come together. They have this emotionally sort of drawn out meeting followed by a lunch where they all would walk for half a mile along city streets without anyone being able to see. It was remarkable. It showed me what was possible and moreover, how to be truly open, opening myself up to what was possible and being the beneficiary as a result of, of that. Yeah. And I, again, like you said, it promotes the idea that we emphasize all the time that both of us, I believe, have experienced and done in our lives, which is having the initiative and going out there and really trying to do something to better your situation and to help yourself. And I think that's what you did in that situation. And it, again, just is another positive representation of what initiative can do for you. Absolutely. And I was someone who shied away from groups like support groups, to be honest. I thought I'm so much younger than everyone here. We are at completely different stages in life. I'm not going to have anything in common with folks. And it took some wrangling to even get me to go. I agreed to participate, to become a member of this support had been meeting for a number of years. I opened myself up to the enormous possibilities available out in the world. That guy, Big Bird, the group leader, turned out to be a tenured professor who'd been working for multiple decades, I believe in a scientific capacity at a Southern California university. Another gentleman was a very successful real estate agent and on and on and so forth. And it really led me to 
be available for experiences like the Hatland Center and everything that it has enabled me to do subsequently. And I think you would say that in high, like obviously in retrospective, you're definitely glad that you did go to the support group and that, and what it's led you to do, you know, beyond that, because it was almost kind of the first stepping stone of taking that initiative and doing that. And then from there, you were able to have so many great experiences after that. So I would almost ask the question of, to our audience or to you to kind of enlighten our audience if there are people out there who are listening that are debating about, you know, whatever situation they're in, if they're debating about whether maybe going in a support group is a good idea for them or if it can benefit them, obviously everyone's situation is different, but what would you say, obviously, because you had a positive experience. So what would you say to people who maybe are considering going into a support group? Be open, be available, uh, and be ready to receive. Sometimes wisdom or the tidbits that really steer us to where we want to go in life come from the most unexpected places. For example, walking with a group half a mile from a Braille Institute to a restaurant. It was the first time that I'd even conceived that anything like that was possible. I just had assumed that if you're at a certain age, you really don't engage in experiences like this. But as my young mind was to learn over the course of that afternoon, being available and being open, being there to receive enlightenment from wherever you can gather it, it all can be truly helpful as we go about our own lives and trying to make the most out of them. Definitely, 100%. And I, again, I think it was a great story because we once again emphasize probably one, and there are a lot of important points that we emphasized on this show, obviously, or on this podcast, but probably one of the most important is the fact that you have to take the initiative and you have to be open-minded to new experiences, especially when a situation comes in your life that you never would have expected and you need to adapt to. So I think it's great that you gave us a little insight and can honestly just provide some advice for listeners, again, that may or may not be considering doing what you did and joining a support group for whatever situation they may be in. So I think it was very valuable that you could provide that insight. Um, That's going to wrap it up though. We are done with this episode of visionaries. Once again, please give us a follow, go like our posts at visionaries underscore podcast. We announce every single episode release on that Instagram page. Want to shoot us a DM, let us know. Uh, thoughts, comments, concerns, any topics you want us to cover, anything like that. We are open to suggestions, receiving those comments. Um, Thank you guys for listening to another great episode of Visionaries and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Talk to you guys soon.